Sensibly Speaking podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker. I am joined this week by my wife, Melissa Huff. Hello. <laughs> um, okay, so this uh, podcast, of course, is available to everybody on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, as well as with video here on YouTube. Um, and also, by the way, there is a special announcement or communication I have for everybody regarding my channel and the status of it and uh, and that sort of thing, some behind-the-scenes stuff at the end of this podcast. So please be sure to check that out as well when you're all done watching the podcast. So we've got a lot of things to talk about this week. I brought Melissa back because uh, it is time that... I've been wanting to do this for a, a while now. Um, it is time that we do an episode about depression, anxiety, mental health, and basically living with that. Now, I've talked to a lot of counselors and uh, therapists on my channel. I intend to talk to many more about, you know, from a professional's point of view, getting out of destructive cults, dealing with uh, narcissistic relationships, dealing with the after effects or aftermath of being involved in a totalist system or in a narcissistic relationship, basically the same thing. Um, and... I have not, and of course I've done a lot of interviews with former members of Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, uh, Christian cults, I mean a lot of different extremist type totalist groups. Um, but this one is not, there's nothing I've, I've done yet that is, uh, that is really quite as personal as this. Um, I mean, you know, I could say, well, all my talking about Scientology was certainly personal. Um, but this is kind of present time, you know, this is not something I'm talking about that happened. We're going to, this show is not about something that happened in the past. This is about something that's happening mm -hmm. right now. And, um, I know that I kind of dominated our last podcast. <laughs> I will not be doing that this time, but there is a little intro that I want to give here about my back experience with depression and anxiety um, and mental illness and the concept of that because I did come from a Scientology, do come from a Scientology background and Scientology absolutely denies that mental illness is a problem or is a thing. It asserts that L. Ron Hubbard discovered this thing called the reactive mind. We were talking about this mm -hmm, the other night mm -hmm. um, and that, th that all the problems that a person experiences in their day-to-day -day life is due to the influence of this, this subconscious sort of mind called the reactive mind in Scientology. The reactive mind, as far as I'm concerned, is a fantasy, but for many, m most of my life, I believed wholeheartedly in it. I was raised with the idea that this was a thing. And uh, the idea in Scientology is that by getting auditing, by doing the Scientology's version of counseling, you will be stripping away bits and pieces of this reactive mind. And you could, you could analyze it, analogize it to, I guess that's the right word, to uh, you know, a big, huge pile of, of manure or coal or something. You got a pickaxe or a shovel and, and you just got to go into your auditing counseling sessions and just pick at that thing. It's just this big, solid mass and it's, it's huge, gigantic, and you carry it around with you everywhere you go. 
and all of the stress and trauma and problems and, and issues that you have and the anger, whether it's anger issues or grief issues or, or anxiety or all of that is the reason for it is somewhere in that big pile or there's multiple things in that pile causing that condition. And by doing Scientology auditing, that's the only solution possible. And you tackle that mountain of crap, which they, in Scientology, that's, that's what they call your case. And you get rid of it, you erase it bit by bit by bit. And by doing that, you're supposed to arrive at this place of mental and spiritual enlightenment and awareness where you no longer would have any mental health issues of any kind. You'd be perfectly wonderful. That's the theory in Scientology, and it's the one that I subscribed to for a very long time. And Hubbard spent a lot of time ridiculing and deriding psychiatry for their lack of solutions to any kind of mental health problems. And so Scientologists are indoctrinated to believe that psychiatry has no solutions whatsoever, and in fact, is incredibly damaging to people, that all it does is hurt people and causes them to do worse and do bad things. And like mass shootings are uniformly blamed on psychiatry uh, if you talk to a Scientologist. Um, you know, any, phar any kind of um, pharmaceuticals, all bad, all bad. What you need is auditing, not drugs. And, um, and so they make these points in their, um, in Scientology's propaganda pieces. Uh, they, they set up a group called the Citizens Commission for Human Rights in 1969, which had the sole purpose of eradicating psychiatry from the face of the earth. So there is no sympathy or empathy or compassion or understanding or tolerance of psychiatry from Scientology. That's where I was five, six years ago. Like I fully bought into it. I read, there were, there were books in Scientology that were written by Scientologists about psychiatry. I read those. I thought the DSM was, was complete nonsense. Uh, I still have issues with all of these things, but I, I, I thought that it was like literally the work of Satan, you know, to put to, to, to make that comparison. So, so when I got out of Scientology, one of the first things I realized that I needed to address or deal with was, did I have this hatred of psychiatry because of what L. Ron Hubbard said, or was it because there were real issues in present time about psychiatry? And what I found out is that all the Scientology propaganda had to do with the history of psychiatry. And we watched, mm -hmm. or watched some of, yeah, yeah. Um, one of, Scientology has put together like five or six documentaries on the evils of psychiatry. And their main header, the, the, the first one and, the, and the, the most grueling and gruesome one, is called Psychiatry and Industry of Death. So in preparation for this, we watched it. So now, what was your impression of that? What message did you get? They were just, like, focusing on the past, which... Psychiatry has a pretty checkered past. There's some really horrible things that <laughs> that we did to the mentally ill like 100 years ago, 50 years ago even. Mm -hmm. But it's changed, and, and it's not fair to keep going back to what they used to do. You know, you got to look at what they're doing now. Yes, it's not perfect. Yes, it's got a long way to go. But it's not this, like, demonic 
evil let's strap people to the you know table and you know remove body parts and stuff kind of stuff anymore <laughs> yeah and that and and it's it's sad but true that that is in the history of psychiatry mm-hmm. and and it does have a troubled past to say the least but to use that against psychiatry now or psychology now is just taking things out of context there's mm-hmm. just it's just a huge logical fallacy it would be like to make a, a, an analogy judging all germans now based on what happened in world war ii exactly you could do that but you'd be wrong for doing that because none of the people who were doing that stuff or very few of them are even still around mm-hmm. And things have changed. It's been recognized that these practices that were going on back in the day were barbaric and literally were torture. I mean, dunking people and, you know, waterboarding people and, and drowning them as a, as a kind of cure, um, you know, hurting people mm-hmm. or not. They, they, they were just clueless about how do you deal with somebody who is in a manic fit? You know, they didn't know what to do. So they became very desperate and they did desperate things. Not to excuse any of it. It was barbaric. It was torture. It was awful. But that was then. This is now. And if we're going to talk about this field, we should be talking about what's going on in it now. And it's not like they've cured all the illnesses. It's a nuanced thing, you know. They don't have cures. They have coping mechanisms. They have ways of dealing with things so that your life can be a bit more livable, you know. So I just want to kind of get that out of the way. To start off with, right? Because that's the background I came at this from. And I, like I said, I was I was full-on, hardcore, absolutely believed all of the things that Hubbard said about this. So in addition to tackling it after I got out of Scientology, I also started expanding the number of people that I knew <laughs> in life. And I ran into people who had mental illnesses, mm-hmm. who, had, who had conditions. And, um, and I started learning firsthand which is something I never could learn in Scientology, that some people take psychotropic medications mm-hmm. and really benefit from them. Not everyone. It's not universal. There are, you know, there's side effects, which oh, we'll yeah. really just call effects, that can be damaging to, to, to some people. It's a very much, you got to, it's a very individual thing. There is no blanket, this will cure everybody's problems right. with depression or you know, what, or OCD or whatever. Mm-hmm. Even the language is still in flux and morphing. So, so it's not like I'm, you know, we're doing this podcast with the idea that, well, it's all perfect now. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> right? I wish. Right. Um, okay. So that all being said, tell us about you. Okay. Well, I mean, I come at it from a very personal perspective because I do have anxiety and depression and a side of PTSD so a little combo of everything there and so I've I've struggled with that most of my life I mean I remember the first time feeling depressed and suicidal in junior high so it's just I I didn't officially get diagnosed with with a lot of this stuff until about six or seven years ago but it's always been there and I I've have these experiences with it. I I've changed my mind about a lot of things. You know, I used to be very anti-med, 
now that I've discovered the right combination of medicine, I'm very excited about medication. So, so yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a long history. I also have family members with mental illness and, you know, growing up around that. I, I grew up around people with bipolar. I've had friends with bipolar, so I've definitely seen that aspect of it. And it's, it's just something that is is complicated and and like we you know you're talking about medicine and it's not a one size fits all it's actually a complicated process to figure out what's going to work for you because the first thing you try may not work in fact it probably won't and you have to play around a little bit and go okay does this one work what if i combine it with that one and you know, it took a while for me to figure out which combination was best for me. And there are side effects that really suck sometimes. And you have to kind of decide what's more important, the the not being depressed or the, you know, having some sluggishness or something like that. Right, exactly. And this is a thing, by the way, that um, I wondered about how broadly this kind of information that we're going to talk about here that we're talking about right now was needed out there you know i mean the whole purpose of my channel is education and um and sure i throw my opinions out there and 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 i got some strong ones about some things but mostly i'm interested in bringing new information to you guys and i've and we have found i mean what <laughs> there's, there's you know another reason we're doing this is because i have i have observed that I just because I was in Scientology, I'm not the only person who has some pretty gross misconceptions mm -hmm. about the nature of mental illness. Um, what kind of things have you run into? Like people's ignorance, you mean? Like yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, people thinking that you can just exercise it away, and it's like, okay, exercise helps. Now, exercise as in. Yeah, like as in go for a jog or yeah. not exercising like demons. Yeah, yeah. Although there are there are people who think that too. There are yes, that is. But I, no, the exercises. Yeah, kinda, you know, it helps. It can make you feel better for a little while, but it doesn't cure it. It doesn't make it go away forever. And sometimes you're so depressed you can't even imagine getting up and going and exercising. And it's it's hard to explain that to someone that hasn't been through it, but. You know, or like, for example, one of my friends that's bipolar, someone told him, you know, you just need to find Jesus. Like, Jesus is going to cure bipolar somehow, you know? It's just ridiculous. And I've run into people that, you know, tell me that I just need to have the right diet and, you know, or, or it's, you're not really depressed, you're just lazy, or, you know, just all these kinds of things, like, and... And it's really tough because you, you know what you're going through and you know how depressed you are and you know that it's a physical illness as well as a mental illness. And these people coming at you with all this bad advice and ignorant advice and then they don't listen to you. That's what's really frustrating for me with both my mental illnesses and, and being type 1 diabetic is like people don't listen to the person going through the experience. They have a preconceived notion, and it doesn't matter what you tell them. You're wrong. I've got the right answer. And it's like, well, I'm the one going through this. I'm the one who's been going through it my whole life. So 
why am I the one that's wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, which is not to say that, you know, trained professionals don't know things. Right. But uh, listen to the patient mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of it is important. And you've run into way too many instances where that's happened, where you've gone to get professional help mm-hmm. and the doctor doesn't even hardly listen to what you say before they're telling you everything that's wrong. Yeah, I mean, when I first got diagnosed with depression and anxiety and all that, they were trying to... This woman just met with me for like five minutes and was trying to say that I had, uh, you know, some kind of low-level bipolar and was trying to give me... Oh, antipsychotics. And uh, she was trying to give me those, and I'm like, I don't have psychosis. I'm just depressed, (laughs) you know? So I had to go through a series of doctors. I mean, I've been through a lot, and I've been through doctors that don't listen to me, that don't respond when you're having an emergency situation. I mean, really, the best person that I've ever had was a nurse practitioner, like a psychiatric nurse practitioner. She was the best one I ever had, and I, I wish I could have her back, but... But yeah, they just, they don't always listen to you. They just kind of assume what's going on and then it's a one size fits all kind of thing sometimes. And it's, it's difficult to find a psychiatrist that will really listen and really help you out. Yeah. Well, I think the key word there was assuming, Mm -hmm. you know, I did an episode, uh, not watched by a lot of people, uh, you know, and yeah, I'm a little bitter about that, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I put out an episode this week about uh, assuming things, uh, because that has a lot to do with critical thinking. It was a critical thinking video, and uh, as opposed to a Scientology or cult-related video. And, um, And I talked about assumptions, because I used to make lots of assumptions about mental illness. And I see other people doing that mm-hmm. with you on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, strangers or even people you kind of sort of know, yeah, yeah. you know, and they, and it's, it's, it's been commented on before, but it's worth repeating that because it's not something you can physically see, there's mm-hmm. no physical symptomology to depression. Excuse me. So therefore you're just making it up, right? You're just faking it. You're just, you know, it's not real. Go take a walk. You know, yeah, you're just doing it because you don't want to do things. You want to get out of having to do things. And it's like, no, when I'm depressed, I really do want to do things. It's just I'm so depressed that I can't like it. I uh, there's a, a gentleman, Andrew Solomon, I think is his name. And he does a lot of work with depression. And he's got a couple of TED talks out there and. The best way he ever described depression was like, it's so difficult when you're depressed that you can't even do things like make a sandwich because it sounds too hard, you know, because you have to go in the kitchen, you have to get the bread out, you have to get the food, the meat, the cheese out, and it just is so overwhelming, and it's like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Everything is overwhelming when you're depressed, and... You try to talk yourself out of it. You try to force yourself out of it. But it's just there. It's just this agonizing internal pain. that, And it has physical effects, too. I mean, it makes you sleepy and, and want to just sleep all day long. It makes it, you know, sometimes there's even physical pain along with it and that kind of thing. It's just, it's 
not something you can just snap out of. No, it's not. <laughs> and, um, you know, I haven't really talked about this very much at all uh, in the years that I've been doing my channel here. Um, because One of the reasons for this is because I have been coming to my own conclusions and realizations and, and sort of awareness within myself about some of this that I also deal with too from time to time. Not, it's not, not as serious as, um, you know, what you've had to deal with or what some other people I know have had to deal with, but coming out of Scientology, I mean, we all talk about PTSD. That's a thing. That's mm -hmm. real. I mean, you have, you have things that happen to you that, uh, I've had things that have happened to me that are completely out of my control. I don't get to choose whether I have nightmares or not. Mm -hmm. I don't get to choose whether I'm, you know, walking down the street or sitting at my chair here or, or watching TV or whatever, and suddenly, out of nowhere, suddenly have this cloud of, I don't know how to describe it. It's it, it just, it comes over you, and uh, and suddenly, yeah. every nothing matters. Suddenly, nothing matters at mm -hmm. all. And the world just sucks. Everything sucks. There's nothing that can be done about anything. And... Um, I come. I came to realize fairly recent, last year, year and a half or so, in talking to you and talking to other people, you know, that I've had to struggle with some of that too mm -hmm. in part of this, you know, ongoing recovery process. And I came to realize that a lot of people that I used to know in Scientology, in the Sea Org especially, definitely are suffering from some kind of, you know, mental disorders or mental illnesses. Um, and it's, you know, there's, there's, I, I hesitate to still, even to this day, I hesitate to talk about this because of all the stigma attached to it. You know, this like judgment factor that happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, you poor person. Like, that's not particularly what I'm talking about this for. <laughs> you know, right, I'm not, right. I'm not talking about this or I'm not asking you to talk about it so that we can gain sympathy. Um, it's about raising awareness of the fact that this is a real thing. You know, and that, that the people who experience these kind of things, me included from time to time, um, don't have a choice in the matter. Mm -hmm. The thing that actually first, when I first registered for me, that this was something beyond a person's ability to control. I don't have his name. I didn't look it up before we got started here. But um, the lead singer for Imagine Dragons. Oh, yeah was on Howard Stern. This was years ago. He was on there, and I heard the episode way after it had, had happened. And he described suffering from depression and the fact that, you know, you could, you could make it in the music industry. You could be married to this wonderful person. You could have this incredible career. Money's not a problem. You've got a family. You've got kids. I mean, there's a lot of things in your life that are very, very good. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. And yet you still feel like none of this matters. None of it is helpful. Exactly. None of it means anything. And when you hit those episodes, man, it's just like some bear came along and just walloped you. You know, yeah. there's, you, you, there's not, you know, and then, and then well-intentioned people, you know, trying to help out, mm -hmm. you know, well, you should, you know, it's probably your diet, you know, yeah. or, well, it's. You know, you just need to take a walk. You've got a lot of good things going on. It's like, yeah, that's not why I'm depressed. <laughs> well, that was the thing that I that I yeah. realized. You know, that's when it really hit me. Was it's mm. like, it's 
it's having every reason in the world to to not be depressed or not be anxious because mm-hmm. the same thing goes for anxiety as far as I can tell. Oh, yeah. Having no real logical reason to feel that way and yet feeling that way anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's not like there's something Yeah, sure, it's something kind of wrong. I mean, you don't like this. It doesn't you wish it wasn't this way. What I mean to say is that it's not so easy to do something about it. You know, mm-hmm. people who don't suffer from these conditions have ups and downs in their life. Oh, sure. You know? And when they do, sometimes you can go take a walk or you can eat some sugar, feel a little pepped up, or stop eating some sugar so you don't feel so mm-hmm. pepped up. You know, go have some fruit or vegetables or something. Or they can... You know, go buy a new dress or, you know, buy a new car or, you know, do something for themselves, take themselves out to eat or something. And that does it for them. Ah, yeah, I'm out of my little funk, you know. That's not what we're talking about. These are actually two totally different things. And I think part of the problem I'm thinking right now in even discussing this sort of thing is the fact that we use the same words. Right. Yeah, it's like... People, I think, tend to think that depression and sadness are the exact same thing. And there's sadness as a part of depression. It's not the entire thing. It's like dread is what depression is. It's like this just horrible dread. You're sad. You can't do anything. You don't want to do anything. Everything sounds hard. No matter what it is. I mean, the most simple things. And and some people will go, well, that's just laziness. But it's like, if you've actually been there, it's not just laziness. It's like physical. It's a physical thing. Like, you can't get out of bed. You can't do the things you want to do. And you do want to do them, but you can't do them. And, And it's this sense of just self-hatred, you know? It's just like... I don't matter. I can't do any of these things anyways. And you can't concentrate because all you feel is that dread. You know, one of my favorite musicians and songwriters, Stephen Page, he's got depression. And I remember him saying one time that he can't write his music when he's in that, that state of mind. And it's, I get that. I totally get that because there's just, you can't pull that creativity out because it's just so much dread. And it's hard to, it's just so hard to put it into words to, to make it make sense. But Well, yeah, I mean, I can certainly say as a writer um, that, you know, that creativity is sort of the polar opposite of what this is, you know, because um, cause creativity is a zone that you get into. And when you're in it, it's the most amazing thing. It is wonderful. It's it's like just everything's open and you and you're focused, and mm-hmm. it's just this amazing sort of feeling of that you're that you're creating something valuable and important. And I'm sure you know songwriters and and painters and uh, actors and performers. I'm sure all of us share this this feeling, you know. And, mm-hmm. and there's been so many ways that artists have tried to describe it uh 
And yeah, it's, it, you know, I, I certainly can't get any work done. And I'm kind of a workaholic. I mean, I, I work all the time. Uh, but when, you know, something like this happens, it's, yeah, no, yeah, it's not. You uh, no. just can't operate. No. It's like, just imagine the worst thing that ever happened to you. And then you just feel that way for like maybe a week, maybe three months straight, you know, it just depends on how the episode feels like going that, that time. But, you know, this, that, that reactive feeling to that worst thing ever. And that's how you feel for an extended amount of time. And no matter what you do, no matter how many walks you take, no matter how many coffees you have, no matter, you know, how many friends you hang out with, it's still there, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's not something that's susceptible to, being dealt with through some simple method. Mm-hmm. That's really the point, you know, and we kind of probably beaten a dead horse on in talking about this, but we just really want to get across that, that it's not what people who don't suffer from this or haven't experienced it. It's, it's generally what we seem to keep running into and having conversations with people on social media or in real life about mm-hmm. it is, is they just assume way too much about this mm-hmm. and they don't listen to the person who's actually suffering. And, and there's a point there also, which is that every single person is unique. You know, we're right. Your descriptions of this not only are different than what other people might describe it, but they should be different mm-hmm. because people experience this in lots of different ways. So you really do. It, it, it's important to listen to, the person who's who's trying to describe what they're going through because they're going to tell it to you in a way that makes sense to them. Right. So even listening to, you know, how Melissa's describing this right now or how I describe it right now, that's what we're experiencing. That's not to say this is some big blanket statement of what mm-hmm, everybody mm-hmm. else experiences. Hey, everyone. I actually have a short commercial break here on my podcast this week. Because I have a sponsor on my show now, and that is BetterHelp.com. And this is an online therapy service that I think is probably the single best choice I could have made for a first sponsor for my channel. Uh, Because, of course, of all the content that I put up about therapy and help and getting assistance uh, when you need it. And the fact of the matter is that at different times in our life, all of us need some help. And this service is uh, something I'm endorsing because I believe in it, and I think it's something that could help you too. There is a link right here uh, that is in the description section of all of my videos uh, from this point forward that you can use in order to get to betterhelp.com. It is a 24-hour service. It is not, though, a crisis line. There is a difference. This is for ongoing regular treatment. Uh, not for emergencies or suicide services or something like that. There are other numbers or services to contact if you need that help. But either through text or phone or chat or video, you have four different modes of contacting a licensed therapist for help using BetterHelp.com. What you do is you go to their page and there's a brief survey that you fill out and then you are, like I said, contacted within 24 hours. If you have a problem with the person that you're hooked up with, you can get another one. There is no need to stay stuck with somebody that is not helping you out. And sometimes that's even a good thing to you know, get a different experience from different people in getting assistance. I have found a lot of help through my family and friends, but I have found sometimes that there are 
not always the best people to talk to. Sometimes they're the worst because they know too much about you <laughs> or they are biased or they have various prejudices or they're trying to solve your problems for you instead of just listening to you. You know, there can be all kinds of issues with that. Sometimes an objective trained professional is exactly what you need and especially for people who are in any kind of recovery. And the best thing about this service is it's actually really affordable. We're talking about 35, 60, you know, at, I think at the top end, uh, like 80 bucks a week or something. Um, it's not an expensive service, and there is financial assistance available for people who are actually experiencing tough economic times. So reach out to this channel, get some help, betterhelp.com, use the link below, let me know how it goes. Well, and the same thing is true going back to medicine is like, what works for me, you know, I don't know, Butrin, Abilify, and Clonopin, and that's a great combination. But for some people, it's going to give them a really bad reaction and they're not going to, that is not going to work out well for them, you know, and it's the same kind of thing. So you can't blanket and be like, why aren't you on this drug, you know, because... I know, like I said, I had to play around. I took some antidepressants that had some very interesting side effects before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that actually leads to another point, which is also a critical thinking point, um, which is just because, you know, you have experienced something in your life that has caused you positive change doesn't necessarily mean everybody mm -hmm. else is going to experience that same thing. Um, you know, just because you're on a certain combination of meds doesn't mean that would do it for me or for right. somebody else. But pe way too many, again, this goes into assumptions. I, you know, I'm just going to keep harping on that because that's what I'm doing because it's on my mind. Um, but, but people can make those assumptions and they're very unwarranted assumptions. We're not in a place, we're not even remotely in a place yet where we have universally you know, workable and applicable solutions for, mm. for all the problems that people are experiencing. I mean, we know certain things uh, that are obviously universally applicable. If you're starving, get some food. Mm -hmm. You know, if, you're, if you haven't had any water in, in a week, odds are everybody would universally respond to having some water, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's that kind of thing. But we don't have universally applicable answers to mental illness issues. You know, and um, so that's just another kind of important thing about the advice on this is listen more than talk. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't necessarily know how to cure or solve the problem. That's something this person's going to have to figure out working with professionals and with sure with caring friends and family. Absolutely care. Be part of the solution. Don't be part of the problem. But part of that being mm -hmm. part of the solution is is listening a lot. You know, and it's and this is kind of the same kind of advice I give when I'm talking to, you know, people. We're getting people out of cults. Mm -hmm. You know, stop talking and listen more, because that the the person who goes into a destructive cult situation will probably tell you exactly how to get them out of it if you listen enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, instead of telling them everything that the you know they, you think they should know, no, they need to come to their own conclusions. You know, and anyway, it's. Well, and the other thing is, um, it's like, stop trying to solve it and cure it because there is currently no cure. So you're going to have episodes the rest of your life. 
And that's that sucks, but it's just the truth. And like, for instance, you know, at one point when I first started taking meds and stuff like that, you know, I was always looking for the the answer that was going to make me never have a depressive or anxiety event ever again. And the truth is what I've learned is, is that's just right now not possible. Like I can keep them further in between episodes and the episodes aren't nearly as nasty as they used to be, but I can't ever just stop them completely. And, and you have to come to terms with that. And so do the people around you that it's not gonna go away. Yeah, that's right. Now, we of course have had a lot of conversations in the time that we've known each other about, you know, how I can be supportive and Mm -hmm. helpful, you know, when this sort of thing is going on. Um, why don't you explain or talk about that? I would say to be supportive, kind of like what you're saying, just listen to the person, be there for them, you know, um, just hang out with them. Even if they're not saying a lot or doing a lot and it's kind of boring, you know, just hang out with them and and be there and watch some TV with them and let them cry on your shoulder and let them tell you, you know, that hurts. Don't, don't be giving a lot of advice and telling them, oh, go do this, go do that. Just let them tell you what they need. Let them take control and, and you just you just be there for them, you know? Like, at least that's, that's for me what I need, you know, is I just need someone to give me a hug and take me for a walk and, you know, do those kind of things like, you know, get me up and moving when I don't want to do anything to have someone be like, okay, let's go for a walk or let's go get a cheeseburger, (laughs) you know, but not in a, like, you have to do this kind of way, just in a very friendly, suggestive sort of way, you know, try to help the person get out of the house, help the person, you know, do something that distracts them from the depression for five minutes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm. I, um, I've had to unlearn a lot of things, of course, from my Scientology years. Um, but also I think it's kind of inherent in males, maybe, um, maybe friends to have any gender. I don't know that it really matters, but I've noticed it more with males that, and certainly in myself, that when someone is having a problem or an issue of some kind, I want to help them solve it. Excuse me. And I want to, I want to uh, give them suggestions or advice mm-hmm. or, oh, well, maybe try this or maybe try that. Perfectly well-intentioned. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I've had to come to learn, not always wanted. <laughs> uh, not, not always uh, what the doctor ordered, you know. <laughs> Um, sometimes my suggestions are just foolish because I don't have all the information. I try to get all the information before I start doing that sort of thing, but you know, not perfect. Um, but also just, I mean, you know, what I've had to sort of push out of my, uh, response toolkit or whatever is, um, you know, is that, is that this kind of a thing isn't a problem to be solved. Mm-hmm. That's just the wrong view of it because it doesn't it doesn't work that way. It doesn't it doesn't surrender to some magic bullet solution that you're going to come up with. 
because it's not caused by some physical universe condition or situation. Right. It happens in spite of it, in mm-hmm, fact. Mm-hmm. Again, you can have all the money, you could have wonderful kids, perfect family, relatives all good, jobs fine, like everything's fine. And then, boom, there it is. It's yeah. happening to you. You're riding this wave that you is just out of your control. You're suddenly being lifted up on this, you know, this ocean of, of, of you know, horribleness. Mm-hmm. And so you can't talk a person out of that, <laughs> you know, and that was sort of something I had to mm-hmm. learn over and over and over again until it finally started getting through my slow learning head that that's not how you deal with it, you know, because it's not, because you're not caught, you're not, you're not dealing with the cause of the problem when you're trying to solve physical universe problems the person's right, having. It's, right. it's different, you know. Yeah. Um, so I have come to learn as a, you know, as a support person and, you know, husband, that it's about just being there, being comforting, being mm-hmm. helpful in any way, however the person needs it, including... Leave me alone for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, that can happen too. Okay, not a problem. I'm always here. Whatever you need, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be right over there. Or, you know, I'm phone call away or, you know, whatever. You know, and um, and that's the best you can do sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and you want to do more. You wish you could do more. It's frustrating to not mm-hmm. be able to sometimes. But you can't force your help on somebody, nor would you really want to. But the main thing for me was recognizing that I wasn't solving the right problem in the first place. You know, because I get upset and you get upset all the time Mm -hmm. about things that go on in the real world. Right, right. Those things we can do something about. Right. You know, these things, these these kind of episodes, on the other hand, are are a whole different animal. Mm -hmm. What other sorts of misconceptions have you run into uh, in your life with this? I would say one of the the biggest ones like for a lot of people with depression because I know I had a suicide attempt when I was in college long ago freshman year and it obviously didn't work it wasn't exactly the best suicide attempt because it was a freaking bottle of Tylenol and some alcohol but but like a lot of people think oh you're just trying to get attention that's the worst like when people have a suicide attempt and it doesn't go all the way through it's just for attention and that's the worst attitude I think that we have with depression because no one is doing that for attention they're doing that because they're crying out for help. There's, they are in that much pain and suffering that they just want it to end. And that's the thing with depression. That's why people are led to suicide. It's not because some shitty thing happened or, you know, it's because that pain that you're feeling is so great and it feels so unending that you're just like, what else do I do? I can't stop it, you know? And so that's definitely a misconception that I think is is terrible. It's like, don't, do not ever, when someone makes an attempt, be like, oh, that's for attention. That's just ridiculous. Meaning, because 
because a cry for help is a kind of right, right. attempt to get attention, but not your, t- your I just want to be clear, not like you're trying to be an attention whore or right. you're just trying to, hey, it's all about me now. You know, everybody should pay mm-hmm, attention to me. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you're, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. It's okay. not like that. You know, you're trying to get help, you're, you know. And um, what other misconceptions? I, I know there's more. Like just that all you have to do is, you know, oh, you just need more therapy. It'll go away, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like... And it took a long time for me to realize that that wasn't the solution either. Because therapy helps, and I love therapy, but it's never—it's not going to cure my depression or my anxiety. It's just not. Those things are going to pop up when they pop up and feel like, you know, coming around and causing some chaos. <laughs> and there's, you know, I, I have coping mechanisms now that I've learned from the therapy, but it doesn't stop it. Well, I was going to ask you how, so in other words, the therapy won't cure it, but it's not that that's not helpful. Right, right. It is very helpful. It's just once you have a mental illness, there's no cure for it. It's not going anywhere. You can treat it and keep it under control. I mean, I know people that are bipolar that are on medication and they haven't had a manic episode in a really long time. That doesn't necessarily mean that that is going to last forever. Hopefully it does. I mean, I don't want I don't wish any ill on any of my bipolar friends and relatives, but you know, it's just like you never know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, and that's why we stress that, you know, that there are not cures for this as such in the same way that, you know, you get a cut, you put some salve on it and throw a bandaid on it and it'll heal and then you won't have that cut anymore. It will be gone. In this case, it's more kind of like with the medications for some people or other coping mechanisms mm-hmm. they might learn about through therapy or however they do it. It's more like the cut's there, the Band-Aid goes on, mm-hmm. but you can't take the Band-Aid off because right. the cut's still there. Right. It's always going to be there, mm-hmm. you know, but the Band-Aid effectively, you know, maybe yeah. chills it out, helps it, you know, kind of a lame analogy, but I'm just mm. trying to... Yeah, no, I get it, yeah. You know, this also reminds me that... This is one of the things that people who are critical of psychiatry, like Scientology, will put forward, well, psychiatry has no cures. They have, they, therefore, none of it works. Therefore, it's all a fraud. Well, that's not true. It's, a, it's, the, it's the only field of study that has any kind of attempt to use some science. Uh, I, I can't say that that was true 50 years ago, but I can say it now. Uh, and... And it's, you know, when you when you look at, well, okay, what alternatives are you offering? Right. You know, Scientology offers this thing called the Introspection Rundown, which I've done a number of videos on. Uh, I'll, I'll throw a link to one in the description of, to this podcast. But their, their quote-unquote cure literally has killed people. So it's not like Scientology has some, you know, corner on the market with their reactive mind bullshit. And that's, Mm -hmm. they have a cure for any of this because they don't, they just, they just think they do. I can tell you as a former professional Scientologist, they are clueless about this. They're, Mm -hmm. they're delusionally clueless about the subject of mental health. I mean, they deny it exists. Think, assign it to some Mm -hmm. cause that's a fantasy and then treat it with a series of actions that are so 
that create more stress and trauma mm -hmm. on a person and only make the condition even worse. That we know that. So, um, so you know, yeah, be as critical of psychiatry as you want all day long. There are lots of reasons to be critical of it, but don't pretend that there's some other thing that's got some cure for these situations for that that are again that are universally applicable. Yeah, maybe one or two people, you know, don't suffer depressive episodes anymore because they sniff Himalayan salt or something. <laughs> I don't know, you know, or shove things up their butt or something. I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. If that works for one or two people, well, great. I'm not going to say it didn't, but I'm certainly not going to say, well, because it worked for uh, you know, a, a case study of a series of one or two <laughs> that we've got a new cure on our hands. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of woo peddling nonsense that we see all over the Internet, you know, which is why if we're not dealing with this at a level of real understanding mm -hmm. of what it is we're dealing with, if we're not starting at that place, all the rest of this is just noise and, and nonsense. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about, like, they're saying, well, there's no cure for us, so it's BS. Well, there's no cure for my diabetes either, but I still take insulin so I don't die. <laughs> you know? Great point. You know, it's just that they haven't figured out exactly what it is that they need to do to cure the, the thing yet, you know? And, and that doesn't mean there isn't treatment. There's plenty of diseases that don't have cures but have treatments. There's no cure for AIDS yet, you know? Right. But we still have come a long way in treating it and keeping people alive. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So that was basically our message here, mm -hmm. you know, for this week. Um, if you're curious, you know, you can go to the Scientology <laughs> website and check out their documentary. It's like it's all over the Internet. I mean, we found it like 20 mm -hmm. different uploads of the thing. Um, it's really sad, actually, because there's way too many channels out there that have sort of sliced and diced that documentary down to sort of present it as though, well, you know, they have this big anti-psychiatry message. But they're, they're taking stuff from the Church of Scientology, guys. I mean, come on. It, it's, it's, you know, no, please, please don't be doing that. <laughs> um, but if you want to see what Scientology puts out about psychiatry, what I used to think was, you know, was the holy truth, then you can check out that Psychiatry Industry of Death documentary, and you'll see for yourself what kind of nonsense I'm, I'm talking about that I used to, you know. I mean, they blame the Holocaust on psychiatry. They blame racism on psychiatry. Uh, they, they trace every single problem and social ill of society straight to psychiatry. Mm -hmm. that's, Scientology, that's what Scientology does. It's black and white for them. There is no middle ground. There's no nuance. So that's why I reject all the Scientology stuff, right? And yet at the same time, I will be critical of psychiatry because, you know, they could be doing a better job and we always oh, want to sure. be pushing them in that direction. Yeah, they're not mm -hmm. perfect, but I've run into... I mean, the, it's unfair to just act like psychiatrists are the only doctors that have problems because there's problems in the field of medicine in general with doctors. And that's not to say all doctors are bad either. There's great doctors out there, but... There's also doctors that don't listen to you. There's doctors that, you know, just just are not, they should not be doctors. But, you know, it's it's like any field. There's good and bad, and you can't throw it all out. 
No, exactly. I mean, we're and all we're really saying, of course, is that doctors are human beings. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, with all the prejudices, biases, you know, poor education, uh, poor communication skills, uh, you know, vested interests, greed, everything else mm-hmm. that is wrong with every other human being. Yeah, that's wrong with doctors, too. Exactly. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to a doctor when you need one, because that's the place you go when you need some help, you know. Uh, and if, you know, if one doctor doesn't do it for you, we'll find somebody else who does because right. there's certainly no shortage of them around. Exactly. It's like dating. You just keep going to different doctors till you find one you like. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we thought we'd, like I said, we thought we'd open up a little bit here about this because um, I see way too many instances all over the net and in real life of people who just don't get this. And now that I have not only come out of Scientology and gotten rid of that bullshit, but have actually come to learn, you know, right in my own home, how this works and have other friends who have also experienced this stuff. I thought it was way past time to get this out there in podcast form. And I hope that you guys have found this uh, educational and informative and hopefully mildly entertaining as well. <laughs> uh, so uh, stay tuned at the end of the podcast here for uh, another message from me about my channel. Thank you very much for coming around. I am very, very, very interested in all the feedback that you guys have on this one, experiences you might have had yourself with dealing with mental illness or, um, or, or either with yourself or with your family or friends. Um, you know, anything you want to say about this, I'd, I'm very, very curious about it. Um, so leave those comments at, uh, on YouTube or at sensiblyspeaking.com. Thanks for coming around again, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. You know, you're talking about medicine. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's actually a complicated process to figure out what's going to work for you because the first thing you try may not work. In fact, it probably won't. And you have to play around a little bit and go, okay, does this one work? What if I combine it with that one? And, you know, it took a while for me to figure out which combination was best for me. And there are side effects that really suck sometimes. And you have to kind of decide what's more important, the the not being depressed or the, you know, having some sluggishness or something like that. Right, exactly. And this is a thing, by the way, that um, I wondered about how broadly this kind of information that we're going to talk about here, that we're talking about right now, was needed out there. You know, I mean, the whole purpose of my channel is education. And um, and sure, I throw my opinions out there, and, and, and I got some strong ones about some things, but mostly I'm interested in bringing new information to you guys. And, I've, and we have found, I mean, what, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, another reason we're doing this is because I have, I have observed that I, just because I was in Scientology, I'm not the only person who has some pretty gross misconceptions mm-hmm. about the nature of mental illness. Um, what kind of things have you run into? Like, people's ignorance, you mean? Like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, people thinking that you can just exercise it away, and it's like, okay, exercise helps. Now, exercise as in... Yeah, like, as in go for a jog, or... Yeah. Not exercising like demons. Yeah, yeah. Although there are, there are people who think that, too. There are, <laughs> yes. That is... But... I, no, the exercises. Yeah, kind of, you know, it helps. It can make you feel better for a little while, but it doesn't cure it. It doesn't make it go away forever. And 
Sometimes you're so depressed you can't even imagine getting up and going and exercising. And it's, it's hard to explain that to someone that hasn't been through it. But, you know, or like, for example, one of my friends that's bipolar, someone told him, you know, you just need to find Jesus. Like, Jesus is going to cure bipolar somehow. You know, it's just ridiculous. And I've run into people that, you know, tell me that I just need to have the right diet and... You know, or, or it's, you're not really depressed, you're just lazy, or, you know, just all these kinds of things, like, and, and it's really tough because you, you know what you're going through, and you know how depressed you are, and you know that it's a physical illness as well as a mental illness, and these people coming at you with all this bad advice, and ignorant advice and then they don't listen to you that's what's really frustrating for me with both my mental illnesses and and being type 1 diabetic is like people don't listen to the person going through the experience they have a preconceived notion and it doesn't matter what you tell them